Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I am your host Matthew Roberts and this is Season 4, Episode 170 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you once again for joining us today. Uh, We obviously missed yesterday, uh, but I'm planning to try and do a bit of a longer episode either tomorrow or on Sunday to catch up with some of the things that we may have missed or we may well miss because of losing an episode yesterday. It was a very busy day with family things and errands and things like that. Uh, So we'll do it that way, make sure that we can get the full amount of episodes uh, despite missing yesterday, as there is a lot to go through this week. Uh, So we're moving into 2 Samuel today, and this is where things start to take a downturn uh, in the story of uh, King David. Uh, So we are looking at 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, and uh, here, um, before we go into what happens with David and Bathsheba, um, we need to identify here why this was such um, a problem, why this act or series of actions that David takes, because it isn't just one act that occurs here, but it's a number of acts that lead him toward ultimately what he is known for having to overcome even today. Um, and so we'll talk about that. But first of all, um, David already has several wives and wives um, and concubines. Um, and this isn't the, the reason why uh, he needed to repent. Um, so in Doctrine and Covenants section 132, it talked about, uh, if you remember, how at various points in, in the history of the gospel uh, being on the earth, that uh, various individuals were given permission or permitted to have multiple wives. In fact, in verse 39, it says, David's wives and concubines were given unto him of me by the hand of Nathan, my servant, and others of the prophets who had the keys of this power. And in none of these things did he sin against me, um, except in the, save in the case of Uriah and his wife. And therefore he hath fallen from his exaltation and received his portion. Um, so, the the problem that we have here with David and um, Bathsheba is not the case that he, he is already married. Uh, that is not the problem. But we'll go through and we'll identify kind of the series of events that leads to the ultimate action that David takes, uh, which is why um, he has um, a, a lifetime and even today uh, a time of time to repent from something that he has done. So in verse 1 of chapter 11, um, it says, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Now, some would argue that this is the beginning point of David's descent, that when he was meant to be somewhere else, he was in the wrong place. That the kings were gone to battle, kings go to battle with their people, but he decided to stay behind. Now, we don't know why that was. Uh, we don't know if it's because if it, maybe he was healing or um, recuperating from an injury, perhaps. And if that's the case, then it's different. Or it may have been the case that he was idle, or maybe he was overconfident, or maybe he was, um, or maybe he felt above doing that, that task because he was the king, and maybe it was a sense of pride. Uh, We don't know. But what we do know is that it specifically states that kings go forth to battle at this time, but David stayed behind, which indicates to us that this was probably the first step uh, on David's descent here. 
for whatever reason it was that he didn't go. Uh, so that's something to be aware of that we need to learn a lesson from. And as we go through this, whilst it is a very tragic story, um, there are many lessons that we can learn about stopping um, in acts or choices that will ultimately, if continued over time, lead us to to worse ones. So, yeah, David could have avoided all of this if he had probably done what he was meant to. Then in verse 2, And it came to pass in an evening tide, evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Uh, if you look into the research of kind of ancient architecture and cities and things like this, um, particularly in Jerusalem, the, the roof of the king's house was a very high place, uh, and you would have easily been able to look out upon the city and see the tops of other people's homes. And in that time, it was very much the case that people would bathe or wash themselves on top of their roofs, with the, the thought being that no one can really see you because it is a high place. Um, so David walking about on his roof, I mean, why is he there? Is it a moment of personal spiritual contemplation, perhaps? Or is there something more sinister there, perhaps, as to why he's up on a roof looking out uh, on tops of people's houses? Um, again, we can take... Um, I guess maybe maybe he is there on purpose. Maybe he is hoping that he would see something like this. Or perhaps, again, it could be very um, innocent and in that he was just up there having a, a ponderous moment. We don't know. But the fact is, is that he saw Bathsheba uh, washing herself. Now, at that moment, uh, he has choices to make. Ali Ulysses Suarez says, quote, My dear friends, when we resist the little temptations which often come unexpectedly in our life, we are better equipped to avoid serious transgressions. As President Spencer W. Kimball said, seldom does one enter into deeper transgression without first yielding to lesser ones, which open the door to the greater. A clean field does not suddenly become weedy. Close quote. Uh, and in the case of David here, uh, let's say that this was you know, not his choice. Let's say it was completely innocent. He was up on his roof and he sees Bathsheba. I mean, already we know that he shouldn't be in there in Jerusalem in the first place. But then he sees Bathsheba. He has the choice there to turn away. He has the choice there to, um, you know, not pursue this any further. But then in verse three, we have the next step. And David sent and inquired after the woman. Now, again, up to this point, if, if indeed um, it wasn't his choice to see her, her, her washing herself, um, sending and inquiring after her shows a level of intent. Um, of course, you know, it's not a, a sin to ask necessarily after someone or find out who someone is, but it is a clear another another step of intent toward uh, something else. Um, so he finds out her name is Bathsheba. Um, and then in verse four, David sent messengers and took her and she came in unto him and he lay with her for she was purified for, uh, from her uncleanness. And she returned unto her house. Now, clearly a line has been stepped over here. So David sends these messengers. We don't know, um, you know, about Bathsheba's complicitness in this or her, her, how pleased she was that this happened or not. I mean, it is very possible that, you know, this is the king of Israel. This is the king of the land. She may well felt very intimidated uh, at this point uh, and felt there was no choice. Um, so... 
you know, we, we, we can't really lay much at the feet of Bathsheba, given that we don't have much in the uh, record about how, how she reacted. But what we do know is that David sent the messengers. Uh, well, actually, he saw... In fact, let's, let's go back to the beginning. He was where he shouldn't have been. He was in a place where he was able to see things that may have tempted him. He pursued that temptation further. Uh, he found out information about the individual... He then sent messages again and committed that act. Now, at this point, um, he could have repented. And because of the seriousness of his acts, there would have been a lot of, um, you know, confession and a lot of repentance to go through, particularly as this has led to a a conception. In verse 5, we learn that Bathsheba conceives and tells David that she is with child. So, you know, the the level of his actions, the, the... the nature of what he has done, the adultery that he has committed, and also the the impact this is going to have on not just David and Bathsheba, but other like Uriah and others as well, um, is you know that there is a lot of you know things that David is going to have to do to repent of this. But the tragic thing is, is if he had repented of it, then he would have been forgiven, um, and it is something that was possible. But it goes further. And this is this is the area where we we start to see David's um, choices really bring him away from exaltation. Not that adultery isn't something that will take you away from exaltation. Of course it will. But it is something that can be repented of and, and be forgiven. And anyone listening to this podcast who may be in that position, you know, stop now. Make those changes and repentance and forgiveness is available. It is a wonderful gift. But we learn a, a huge pro, a huge story here from David uh, as he then goes further to try and not repent. And he does something horrendous, frankly, uh, to, to cover up what he has done. So David uh, calls Uriah back from battle uh, and he asks him how he's going, makes small talk with him, uh, and he tells him to go to his house and to to rest uh, because he's been away for a while um but uriah will not um he doesn't go home he feels his sense of obligation and duty to the army Uh, and what i think we're going to do here i think we'll carry on here because we i've got a little bit more time and so i think that we'll continue this episode uh towards uh, a double episode to make up yesterday because this story is kind of still continuing and i don't want to leave it there um so Uriah refuses. And again, we just see here the difference in character between Uriah and and David at this point. I mean, up to now, we've seen David as a great example, uh, but he has allowed the smaller choices that began he began with to change him. Um, David E. Sorensen said, quote, The Bible records that King David was gifted spiritually, but he stood where he should not have stood. He watched what he should not have watched. Those obsessions became his downfall, close quote. And we can easily attribute, attribute this to anything in our lives, not just things of a, uh, um, a, a law of chastity nature, such as pornography and uh, other interactions with individuals who are not, who we are not married to, and you know, the ultimate um, act of, of committing adultery with, with an individual. And, you know, of course, this is easily applicable to those things. But also um, other things in our lives which perhaps draw us away from God and mean that we don't uh, have that dedication and focus to him. 
um, perhaps thinking about the law of the Sabbath and thinking about what small things can be introduced in the beginning and then ultimately lead, lead us to not honour uh, or the Sabbath day at all. Uh, there could be, you know, you could enter any list of things here and we can learn principles from it. Um, but David is obviously now in a situation where he is struggling. He is resisting the uh, like the, the need to, to repent so much. Uh, but Uriah is not allowing that. <laughs> He's not, not because he knows, of course, but he isn't going to go to his house because he feels he should be out with his army, uh, with his, you know, his soldiers in the battle. So David then tries to get him to, to drink, uh, to get drunk, and then go home and spend time with, with his wife. But no, um, he stayed in Jerusalem. Um, he stayed again uh, away uh, from his home because he was determined not to take any thought to himself, but he wanted to continue to serve as a, as a king soldier, to protect the king, to protect his land. Um, and David gets more and more frustrated to the point that in verse 14, he writes a letter to Joab, the leader of the army, and sends it by the hand of Uriah. Uh, and this is um, kind of the, the ultimate act that David does, which he is um, not, for, not forgiven for, which is murder. In verse 15, he says, it says, And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. Now, this is obviously, um, you know, the, this, the moment in which um, we, we find a, a really hard, difficult path for David to, to return, return from. Not least for the fact that Uriah, <laughs> he is so noble and so dedicated to his cause that, remember, he is serving King David. And it is King David that he that has not just betrayed him in the sense that he knew that Bathsheba was Uriah's wife and he committed adultery with her, but also um, that he is serving King David as, as a member of the army. He's carrying a message for King David. He is working for King David and has trust in him. And David is sending his death sentence in his own hands, uh, which, you know, again, is a, a, a big, big, big problem. So um, Uriah the Hittite dies in verse 17. Uh, and this is um, uh, the moment that, that King David has kind of stepped over a line that is going to be difficult to return from completely now. What, whilst I was studying this experience, there was another interaction between David and uh, Joab, which I found was particularly interesting that I didn't know about, or, or I didn't remember. But basically, Joab is worried that because he has sent extra people, as King David asked, including Uriah, uh, into the battle, and they've lost more men because of this act. So let's just re review, review this extra detail, which we so often skip over because of, obviously, the, the steps along the way with not going into battle, with looking, seeing Bathsheba and, and pursuing that. Um, but let's not forget as well that more people have died because of David's action here. So not only has Bathsheba lost her, lost her husband, not only has um, this act of adultery happened, but more men have died in this battle now because of David's message to Joab to send Uriah with others to the forefront to this heat of battle, uh, that Joab is worried 
about King David's reaction that more people have died. But upon learning that Uriah the Hittite is dead in verse 24, in verse 25, David says to the messenger, Thus shalt thou say to Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devoureth one as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city and overthrow it and encourage thou him. David basically says, Oh, don't worry about it. One man can die very easily in battle. You know, people die in battle. It's not a problem. Just carry on with the battle. Take that city and it's fine. Because he learns that Uriah has died. And so he is, his, in, in inverted commas, guilt uh, is eased. Um, the, this is obviously something, and we start to understand why David's um, actions are so looked down upon by the Lord, that not only has he caused the death of an innocent man because of his own immoral acts, but also he has caused the death of others that may well have lived had he been wise and thoughtful in battle rather than acting on his own worry and shame and guilt um, and try to manoeuvre things so that Uriah died. Um, there were others that died as well. So, yeah, he takes Bathsheba to wife, but as we read in verse 27, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. So the Lord, the Lord sends um, Nathan uh, to speak with David, and the Lord is obviously not pleased with him. And Nathan speaks to him, interestingly. He doesn't come and say, the Lord has spoken and you have done this. But uh, in verses uh, 2 to 5, sorry, 2 to 6, well, 2 to 4, I should say, um, Nathan gives a, a parable, basically, or a story. But he's, he tells it as if there is, um, you know, uh, this is a, an actual event happening in David's kingdom. He says, there's a rich man with lots of flocks and herds, and one poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb. And uh, they brought it up, they looked after it, it was their life and joy. And then the rich man uh, was greeting a traveller. He didn't want to use any of his own flock. And so he took the ewe lamb from the poor man and sacrificed it and dressed it uh, for, for the traveller that was coming. Basically saying that, you know, David has many great possessions and things. And he has taken a thing that was very dear to a poor man, that his wife, for his own. Um and David's response is fascinating because he clearly doesn't know or realize what is going on here. He doesn't recognize that this is applying to him. And he says his own sentence in verse five, as the Lord liveth, that man hath done this thing should, shall surely die. Um, and he shall restore the land fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And in verse seven, Nathan said unto David, thou art the man. Um, and then, of course, David realizes what he has done, um, and we we re <clears throat> it is such a tragic story. Uh, and we see David um, trying to return back to the Lord in verse thirteen. I have sinned against the Lord, and Nathan said unto David, The Lord have said, The Lord also um, have not put away thy sin, and thou shalt that thou shalt not die. Uh, so he's not going to die straight away is what he's saying, but there is going to be difficulties in his life and there is still things he's going to have to overcome. The child which was um, conceived um, ultimately dies and passes away. Um, and David then 
has to comfort his wife. They bear another son called Solomon. But we see here that from this point, David has a lifetime of fasting and uh, pleading and, and weeping to the Lord uh, to to overcome the thing that he has done. And it is a lesson for us, um, obviously, you know, in the need to keep, the, for example, the Lord's chastity to make sure we keep the commandments of, of not killing, at least especially, uh, and other things like that. But ultimately, I think this is a huge lesson um, to be careful because if someone as great as David can go through such a descent, I remember this is the same David that overcame Goliath. There was such an example of faith and trust in the Lord. If someone like that can go through this descent, then any of us can, and we need to be careful. Thank you so much uh, for studying with us today, uh, and until we meet again.